трибунах холеют знамена, Облака под небесней плывут. На зеленом ковре стадиона Разноцветные майки Okay, so hello and welcome to the Russian Football News Podcast. You're joining us here on the the 12th of December, but of course you might be listening at a, at a completely different date. It, it doesn't really matter. Okay, so it's the midwinter break for the Russian Premier League, and we are going to d- be discussing that today. I have two uh, notable writers from the uh, Russian Football News website. I will first be introducing David. David Sanson, do you want to... Hello. Hello there, David. Okay, and where are you based, David? Where are you today? Uh, I'm in Maidenhead, um, Berkshire, just outside of London. Oh, very nice. Uh, very grey today outside. Yeah, I know. Tell me about yeah. it. And we also have his second appearance on the podcast. And uh, David, we'd better be on our best behaviour because the boss is around. And it's a yeah. pleasure to introduce Token T-Laid. Hey. Hello, how's it going? It's going all right. Okay, and wh- where are we today? I'm at Braskula. Outside Copenhagen. So just where you were last time. Perfect. Exactly. And it's also very grey here. So. Oh, the world's pretty grey at the moment, as it is for certain teams in the Russian Premier League. Okay, so first of all, I'm just for the purpose of the listeners, as the uh, pretty sure the writers have this nailed down, I'm just going to read the table from 1 to 16. So we have in first place, we've got CSKA Moscow, who are leading the lead they've got 37 points second is rostov 34 third locomotive moscow 32 fourth spartak moscow with 30 fifth is krasnodar with 36 zenit with 30 seven is terek with 28 eight is ural with 26 ninth is rubin kazan with 20 10 is amkar perm with 20 11th, Dynamo Moscow with 20. 12th, Krylia Savietov with 19. 13th, Ufa with 16. 14th is Angie with 15. Um, 15 is Kuban with 15. And finally is Mordovia with 14. So um, just going to fire this question off to you, David. Who has been the most impressive team in the Premier League so far? I mean, looking outside the obvious CSKA because they have dropped off recently. You're looking at Rostov, obviously. It's what you'd expect from a birdie of team, you know, solid in defence, hitting teams on the counter-attack, slow, steady play, and he's getting the best out of his younger players like Asmoon and Polos and Margasov and Terentiev, and it's just all it's all working there. Ural started off well. I think Irokin missed a few games, and that their form seems to have dropped off with that. Zenit, obviously, have just been a shadow of themselves. So, yeah, I'm, I'm plumping for Rostov as the, the teams go for there, I think. Okay, and Token, would you agree with that? Yes, definitely. I mean, Rostov are second, and that's only a few months after they have been one of the favourites to be relegated this season, and they haven't paid their players in ages. So, the fact that they can be second more than halfway through the season is very impressive. Yeah, I mean, we heard news yesterday that they have been banned from registering new players. Do you want to just give a bit of an insight into that token, just for the listeners? Yeah, sure. That um, It's not the first time this happens for Rostov. It has happened in the past two transfer windows as well. And just briefly to describe what happened, it's simply because they haven't paid their bills. They haven't paid, um, they haven't paid wages for the players, and they haven't paid some of the former players as well. Um, they still owe transfer money, so until they, th- these are sorted out, they can't register new players. They can buy new players, which is kind of strange, and they can bring in new signings, but they can't register them and use them in the league. Um, just for the listeners, I understand it's a bit like the transfer, well, the registration ban that Barcelona had, which has prevented them re- registering players. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Okay, and um, we heard David talk about Zenit being a disappointment there. Token, would you echo that? I think I think you would. And is there anybody else you'd pick out as being a, a disappointment? Kuban is a, it's an obvious obvious choice. They are only one point from the last place. They have two victories in, in 15 matches, and that's half a year after they signed the Chauvin and Pavlichenko. I think, I think we all expected more from them. Not that they could be among the top teams, but at least a solid mid a mid uh, a solid mid um finish and then i also have to highlight ruben kassan i know it hurts david a lot but uh, <laughs> that they're ninth now they are they are 12 po- 10 points away from europa league and 
we haven't really seen a lot of good football from them this season. It has gotten better in the in the past month or so, but it has been a very disappointing season. Yeah, I agree. So, David, I mean, yeah, go, go on, go on. Well, as, I mean, as you were reading off the table, I know noticed there's a pretty clear top half, bottom half split, you know, at not at about ninth place, you know. It's about six I points. We had Urel, yeah, on like 26, and then Ruben, straight down to Ruben on 20, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's a clear gap between them at the moment. I mean, as Tug said, Ruben, we have been playing a lot better over the past six weeks. I think it took Charlie a while to get into his stride after Villiers-Nov got sacked. Um, but the team's got more confidence, you know, we've been playing quite well in Europe. And I mean, even though we'd gone out the other day, um, but they've certainly been playing a lot better. And then going back to Kuban, you know, they've been so up and down. Like, some of their players have been playing such great games, but still they're not churning out results. I mean, Arshavin and Pavlichenko, they must have, like, 10 or 11 appearances between them or something this season. You know, they're just... Melgarisho has been amazing for them, but they still can't get the points. I mean, they had that... Um, so against Lokomotiv, that amazing 5 or 6-2 win, or whatever it was, yeah, like, uh, about a month ago. And then I think what they drew the no they lost the Krasnodar derby the other day didn't they obviously yeah and the, and the um, Krasnodar derby yeah. so I think they'll get out of it Krasnodar I can't see Angie keeping up what they're doing I think they'll drop down eventually uh, into the bottom I think into the bottom I, two yeah I think you need to remember that Cuban uh, are likely to lose many of their good players this winter yeah because, I just seen this morning about that um, yeah how they're having to have a fire so. Exactly because of their financial problems, they need to. I can. I wouldn't be surprised to see them lose three or four or five of the biggest stars. And if that happens, I mean, they they could go down. They're only one point in front of Moldova in the last place. And if we take away the biggest the biggest names and guys like Melgarejo and Balde and and so on, I, I don't see them. I don't see them as much better than Moldova, Antje or Ufa. Maybe actually the opposite. If if they have to rebuild the team. Um, quick question: Who who's having the roadworks in their room? I just heard that as well. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. not me. It was my neighbour. All oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll blame them. Okay, right, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I was just wondering what was going on there. Okay, so um, I mean, we all know that Kuban were in the Europa League um quite recently. So, what has been their main downfall? Do you think, David? I think they well that they rely too heavily on the. Uh, on Arshman and Pavlochenko this window, I think they must have used a lot of their budget up trying to get those two in. You know, not only would it try, they thought it would help their team, but it would boost their reputation, either domestically and abroad, but it's just not worked at all. And their fullback plan has, I think their their main weakness must be in their defence. I think they lost players like Sosny in, in, in the window. They not replaced him very well. They've started looking at their youth. I know they're playing Yakuba and... Uh, I think the the other guy's name is Koretnik or something like this, and they're they're getting a few games between them, but I don't think they're ready, and that's causing them some troubles in defence. Uh, but it all comes down to relying too much on Pavlyuchenko and Arshvin, and it's just not worked. It's been a risk that didn't work. Yeah. And they lost their manager as well, didn't they, earlier in the season? Yeah, certainly a stretch. Three, three months into the season, he was sick. Yeah. I mean, I it depends whether it's his decision or the board's decision to bring the players in, but it, it's just not worked for them at all. You'd imagine there was a bit of um, talk from the board about merchandise sales with those two, wouldn't you? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they still play some exciting football, you know, with Melgaracho and Balde and uh, Tkachev on the right wing. You know, they're playing some... And, and Ignatiev, who almost left in the summer to Rubin on a free transfer, now he's been linked to Locomotive for a couple of million. It's, you know, it's been a great turnaround for him especially. But think, with all that attacking talent, they can't do anything with it. I think Tkachov that you mentioned won goal of the month as well, didn't he? With that was goal. a cracker, yeah. Yeah, yeah screamer. If you look that up on YouTube, who who was it against Token? I can't even remember now, but it's a screamer. Wasn't it in the Krasnodar derby? I think. I think it might have been. Any any? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's a, it, just look it up. In fact, if you go on the RFN website on um, some recent articles, there is a video for the top five, and that's number one, and it's an absolute screamer. So, um, moving on to something a bit more positive, Token, with Rostov, they're only, what, three points behind leader CSKA? CSKA on a bit of a rumble. Can Rostov mount a title challenge? No, I would be I'd be very surprised to see that happen. I was asked the same question uh, the other day, but I, I think Rostov are definitely overperforming at the moment, and 
it, it's very impressive everything they've done, and they have only lost four games so far, and their defense has has been very solid. But I think in the spring we'll we'll slowly see the the bigger sides move move past them in the league. So not even Champions League for you, David? Or to... Well, I think we can compare it almost to how Leicester are playing in the English Premier League. You know, no, everyone's expecting Leicester to drop off at some point. You know, they can't keep it up, they won't keep it up, but they are, and they and they might well do. So I think, you know, looking historically, um, Birdie has done stuff like this with Rubin in the past. You know, when they bought, he bought them up, I think in their first season they came third or something. So it's not out of his realm to be able to do something like that with a smaller club. So I think, they, I think they can finish top five, even with no money, as long as they can hold on to what they've got. I don't see why they can't uh, keep challenging. But the budget was bigger at Ruben Kassan than it is at Rostov. Even in their first season, that's the, after coming up, you know, Rostov obviously been established in the league for a few years now. I, th- I, I think they can, I think they can, if they can keep what they've got, they might be able to uh, keep up the challenge. Obviously, next season they'll lose players like Mogulovets and Asmoon who are on loan. And they might well lose players like Polos, who I think contract is up in the summer. And, and Navas is getting older and things like this. So it'll be a challenge to hold on at the end of the year. But for the rest of the season, I think they'll be OK. Personally. It, it would not surprise me if um, Magilivet stayed permanently, to be honest. He's completely out of the picture of Zenit by the looks of things, to be honest. I, I wouldn't mm. see him permanent move. But obviously this um, registration ban could put a sort of a bit of a stop to things. Um, now, for a subject that's quite close to my heart, um, to both of you, Zenit are doing absolutely atrociously. I mean... They uh, won five out of six of their Champions League games. Um, they lost their last game to Ghent after resting a few players due to um, bookings and things like that. I think Hulk was one yellow away from suspension. Um, and that has completely uh, masked their domestic form. So, I mean, what, what's what gone wrong there, too? Yeah, I've wondered about the same thing. I mean, they started the season in, in, in great form and they have by far the strongest team. And I think through the season they have played some good football. Of course, there have been bad matches like the, the 2-0 defeat at home to Krilia and the 4-1 defeat to, to Terek. But, I mean, if, if we look at, for example, the, the game they played against Ufa, was it two weeks ago when they played 1-1? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a game Senate should have won with four or five goals. I think they had they missed a penalty. They had three yeah. shots on the, on the post and they completely dominated. But for some reason, they couldn't score and it ended 1-1. I think you're thinking of Ankar, not Ufa there. Yeah. No, yeah, that yeah. was Ufa. Oh, was it? it was Ufa last yeah. week. Witzel put a penalty over the bar, and then Garay scored a penalty like two minutes after that. Exactly. But, I mean, Yachenko in goal for Ufa was amazing oh, in no, that, that game. That was incredible. Absolutely um, amazing. And, and Ufa's goal itself was very good, and then they just sat back and tried to defend, which they did very well. You know, I think they were unfortunate to concede the penalties that they did. Obviously, one of them was missed. Um, but yeah, I agree. Zenit haven't been so... Uh, what's the word? Not concisive. Uh, efficient with their goal scoring, almost. The amount of chances they create, they just can't finish it all the time. Yeah, I mean their defence. I mean you'd argue that's quite shocking as well. They've got uh, they've conceded a terrible amount of goals, which is uh, quite funny because um, AVB constantly moans about the foreign player rule, but as a, a majority foreign backline, so obviously doesn't quite come into effect with that one, does it, Andre? So <laughs> don't know what you make of that one. As you've mentioned, there's a, a real split down the middle of the table. Uh, do you think there's any chance that any of those sort of bottom sides could uh, put a run together and maybe challenge for Europa League? I don't think I don't think so, thinking about who's like who's around there. I'd like to hope that Ruben can get into the top half, but the teams in the top half are playing very well. Amkar, who are on the same points as us, and I think Dinim over there as well. I think they'll maintain that middle table ground maybe Amcol will drop off a little bit but um, they've actually been churning out some surprising results so I think they're overcoming a little bit they should I think they'd usually be relegation fodder I think but I can't see it happening I mean I have hopes for Ruben if we can keep it up or get a new manager in in the transfer window coming up now but no I, I don't think any teams I think the, the table split pretty fairly at the moment based on the results there hasn't been any team that's lucked up, had some terrible bad luck every week so Token, would you yeah. sort of? What would you sort of add to that? I mean, it, it's only ten points from, for example, from Dynamo Moscow or Ruben Kazan up, but they have an awful lot of teams to. They need to pass in the league, and 
even though I could see Ruben Kassan be stronger than Ural or Tarek, for example, they still have to pass Senate and Krasnodar as well, and maybe even Rostov if, if we assume they'll fall a bit down. So it'll be very difficult uh, with only 12 games. They need to put together a run like CSK did two years ago, and that is difficult to see happen. <laughs> I mean, Dino especially, I can't see it happening you know, with their young squad and how much they've lost. Um, and they're looking like they're going to lose even more yeah, you know, with their backing, their financial backing taking away and Cochrane rumours resurfacing. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I certainly don't think Dino can do it. I think they've got uh, bigger things to worry about at the moment. I mean, let's talk about individuals now. Signings. Who, Which signing has impressed you the most there, David, throughout the whole league? Um, I believe we had this on the, on the uh, roundtable recently, and I actually can't remember who I said back then. Sorry, um, you can make so it I'm up gonna now. I'm going to reevaluate. I'm going to reevaluate who I'm thinking. Go to Tokyo first. Cause yeah, I'm yeah, go on, go on. I'm be token, token, you come with this. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's difficult to highlight a single player. I think there have been there have been several players who have who have stood out. Um, it, it it hasn't been like like last season where we could say that Garay and Xavi Garcia have have improved Senate a lot and they have almost won them the championship alone. But it, it's difficult to just pinpoint one player. I think I have to uh, I have to be honest on on that. I think most people will point their fingers at Tuba. I was gonna say you can't. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, I mean, I think Tuba had he has done well and he has scored some goals. But as we talked about just a few minutes ago, I don't think he has carried Senate the way I expect a striker for a team like Senate to to do. He hasn't been. It has always been Hulk who made the the important goals and made the important things. It. For example, when, when Hulk was out against Ufa, Tuba was almost invisible. He got two penalties, but neither of them should have been awarded. I, I just had a quick look at the roundtable that you did, and we had people, a lot of people saying Smolov for Krasnodar, which is a very good shout, thinking back to it. The, him, Mamayev and Ari have been on fire in recent weeks. You know, They started the season off a bit dodgy, I think, Krasnodar. Um, but they're getting back into the same form they were putting on last season. And I think they'll be in the top four come the end of the season. It's a good, um, good shout. Then you got, you know, you got Navas Naboa, Rostov. That experience there has just helped solidify their team. And then personally, for me, I'd like to um, call a main civil locomotive um, on a free transfer as well. I think that's a great, great business and homegrown. And he's pretty, you know, he's pretty versatile. He can play all over midfield. So uh, I think that was a good, good signing. I would have certainly taken him for Ruben. On a free transfer, at least. Yeah, it would have been a, a nice one. Um, Token, are there any sort of other signings that sort of you want, you'd like to pick out there? I think actually what what David said about Krasnodar is interesting because especially if you remember how they had a, a transfer ban this summer, how they were not allowed to sign any players because of financial fair play, they really managed to to strengthen their squad well. Also with Charles Kabore from uh, from local rivals Kuban Krasnodar. But actually, what I find most interesting this season is how we have seen some players who we had all um, seen as not good enough for the, the league actually been revived. revived. For example, Niasse from, from Lokomotiv. I mean, I really didn't expect anything from him this season, and he has just been on fire. Also for Rostov, Alexander Bukharov, a player I haven't seen playing well since Rubin, since for Rubin, what is that, seven years ago? To add to that, some... yeah, sorry, I'll keep, it, I'll keep interrupting. Carry on. No, yeah, dude, just interrupt. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll to add to the um, list of sort of overperformers. You're looking at Lutsenko for Moldovia at the bottom, who's what? I think he scored eight or nine goals this season um, for the bottom side. You know, it's yeah. been pretty invaluable yeah. for them. Yeah, uh, I but... think they'd have been way off if it wasn't for him because they're, mm. uh, they're only one point behind, uh, only a couple of points off coming out of the relegation places. And it's really important in the bottom. You can see we only have two points between Madovia and Ufa. So a, a player who makes goals is, is really crucial down there where the points are, are few. And if, if Lutsenko can keep his form up, I wouldn't be surprised to see him keep uh, Madovia in the league or at least in the playoff spots because if you have a player who scores goals, that will take you a long way. Yeah, I mean, they've only got a goal difference of minus five, which is better than quite a lot of the um, teams around them. So that could really put them in good stead. If they can keep solid at the back, they know they've got that, that goal scorer up front there. They've been extremely lucky in a couple of games. I mean, I think they um, they had that game against CSK where 
they were three one up and then lost five three. That was ridiculous. And that I mean that <laughs> get, that game was amazing and they were playing so such good football. I mean they got very old front line with Lusenko and McCommission, but they were still playing some great stuff. And even for a team who I've called very boring in the past, they they've sort of come out of their shell a bit in terms of football. Maybe that's why they're struggling because um, they varied from what they know. Yeah, they. I mean, to be fair, they only did stay up last season by the skin of their teeth, so they're quite mm. fortunate. I mean, I don't and, think many people would be surprised to see them go down. Token, you're going to come in there, sorry. Yeah, but isn't that a bit of the story about this season, that even sites like Madovia and Kuban, who have only won two games each, have actually been quite good? I mean, I can't believe that Kuban are second to last in the league, because I actually think as they have played some good football, and not only in the 6-2 victory against um, Lokomotiv, but throughout the season they've actually played well and I also think you can say the same about Moldovia even though they don't have the big names like Kuban has but still they have played some good football and that they only have two victories that is mostly down to, to the lack of luck I'd, I'd say a lot of, lot of draws for those two bottom sides as well I mean Kuban have drawn nine and lost seven Moldovia uh, drawn and lost eight so of too many draws really if they can sort that out I mean, the bottom could really heat up if those two could sort their draw records out, mm. then we could see a real battle there. I mean, Kuban, it's just their defence. When you look at goals, Kuban has, have scored 25 goals, which is sixth, I think, the sixth best in the league this season. They're, they're, they're conceded 28, which is, the I think, the second worst. So if they can sort that out, I think they'll be OK. Um, they just need probably some experience. I mean, Jando, I think they've been playing at right-back. But if they can get, get him back to centre-back, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, only only Angie have a worse um, defensive record there with mm. th- 31 against. Um, just coming back to the signings there. Uh, okay, this is going to really sort of hammer people now, and I, I don't really like doing this, but worst signings, David? Considering we've battered on about uh, Pavlyuchenko and Arshavin a bit too much so far, I'm going to go and be a bit sort of personal and go to Rubin and say uh, Mauricio Lemos, who joined on loan from Defence or Sporting in Uruguay. Uh, Billy and Ektimov brought him in because apparently the Russian defenders were too expensive. He chucked him in first game, I think it was against Zenit away or Spartak away, one of those two. Yeah, not a, not a great and, uh, Mikey debut. He made mistakes in his first three games, which cost us points, and he hasn't played since. But those three games, those three performances were enough to say he's got to be one of the worst signings, you know, costing us seven or eight points perhaps. You know, it's, it wasn't a good move. Yeah, perhaps, uh, maybe looking at the future though. That as a, he was well, as I say, he's only on loan. I mean, we we did it with Coutinho last year. We bought him on loan, and then he signed permanently. He was very impressive playing all across the defence. But I don't think Lemos will be the same. I think uh, the new manager doesn't like him that much, and he'll he'll be on his way out mm. as soon as his loan's up. Uh, token, do you want to come in on that? Let's try and avoid Arshavin Pavlichenko. I mean, we both know <laughs> they've had dreadful starts. <laughs> To, to the Xavi and Pavlichenko note, I'd like to add that they have both been very injured, and I, I still believe they can they can come back and actually have play a role for Kuban if if and when they get fully fit and ready to play 90 minutes of football. But yes, let let's avoid them. I have to go with the Dinyapadialetinov. I think our British listeners know him very well, and he just hasn't done very much for Ruben Kassan. But to add on that. To make his story even more sad, he was signed by his father, was then later sacked and said in the media that he felt really bad for for bringing in his son and almost ruining his, his career once again. And now he's placed firmly on the bench and yeah, he's, he's just very far from the player he used to be. Well, to add to that, he, um, he came out at half-time against Bordeaux for Sergei Kislyak and he was subbed off again in about the 75th minute to make room for Djajin to play up front. And when he, you know, he threw a hissy fit on the bench, I think he chucked his boots down. I think when he's played, he's not been terrible. So I think we played in the league the other week and we won, provided two very nice... No, it was against Sion. Sion at home in the Europa League, he provided two nice assists in that game, having come on as a sub, I think. But I agree that he's not been as effective as he could have been. He was starting at the start of the season when his dad was in charge, incorrectly, because Carlos Aguilar is a superior player. So he hasn't gained my affection too much. I certainly won't be sad to see him leave if that's what's going to happen to him in January. Yeah, David, it sounds like you need to have a, uh, a word with your, your boys at Rubin because they, it sounds like they're pulling off pretty atrocious signings because you've just got the two votes yeah. who were signed. Well, I would, add, I would add a third in there. I mean, in the round table, I added Maxim Batov, who played once on the first day of the season terribly. 
hasn't played again since. He joined Ramcar. I mean, I can't think of any of our signings this summer who've been any good, uh, to be quite honest. So, uh, yeah. Wow. Um, Not as bad as Kubrick, though. No, could be, I mean, there's always someone, going to be someone worse, isn't there? <laughs> Talking quite a bit about Rubin, of course, one of the three Russian teams to be in the Europa League this season. Um, as we all know, Rubin got knocked out. Uh, we've had uh, Krasnodar and Lokomotiv go through. Um, which of those two can go the furthest, Token? I think mo- most of it comes down to the um, down to the draw. But my, my money at the moment is on Krasnodar, because in the first match of the, of the playoff, uh, Lokomotiv will have to do without... Koluka and I believe also Nyase, who are both suspended. And I think Lokomotiv have has on paper a stronger squad, but I think Krasnodar's playing style it actually suits uh, Europe very very well. And I think what they have shown in the in the group stage has just been more impressive than than um, Lokomotiv's performance. Especially, for example, Krasnodar's uh, defeat of of Dortmund that was certainly a highlight. Yeah, although you have to say that Dortmund were without um. Abemiang in that game. Sure, but but still, I mean, when we follow Russian teams, we we, we have to remember that they are far behind those those big victories. No, that, that's very true. David, do you, do you echo token with the, um, yeah, the Krasnodar? Yeah, I, I fully statement? agree. I fully agree. Krasnodar, um, they're playing. They're in, they're playing styles probably one of the most advanced in Russia in terms of you know catching up with Europe. They're very efficient on the counter attack. Once they score, they will go defensive and just try to hit you. And they do it very effectively, very well. Their, their front three players are lightning quick. So, yeah, I agree. I, I think even if they got a bad draw, they'd have a good chance. You know, I think uh, in the group stage against Dortmund, they, they won. Did they win both? I can't remember if they won their first no, one. They lost the first one. They were in front 1-0, and then they lost 2-1 in Germany. But, I mean, so that's what? It's two all over two legs in the group stage. That's still really impressive against, you know, one of the biggest sides in Europe. Yeah, Champions so, League finalists not long ago, of course. So yeah, I, I think Krasnodar would be the team who would go first. It's not only this season. Krasnodar were always also good in Europe last year. I remember they beat Everton and they played some very good matches. And had they had a bit more experience on the European level, I think they would have advanced last year already. And now, this year they have the experience they needed last year. So I think we could be in for an interesting spring. I think they'd be a team that if like a Liverpool or Man United drew them. They'd be happy. The fans would be happy, but then they'll be surprised when they actually start to play them. So we're saying they'd go furthest out the two. So what is that furthest point? I mean, obviously a lot depends on the draw, but what what are you predicting for them? Or what last would you expect? Year, I should say. Yeah, Sinan made it to the quarterfinal last season. Yeah, again, it, much of his is down to the draw, but I think Krasnodar can do the same. We saw Dnipro make it to the final, so why not Krasnodar? I mean, if if they hit their form. They have a, a playing style that can take them take them a long way. Yeah, what I would say is that the team that Zenit lost to in the Europa League, Sevilla, um, knocked out the Champions League, which makes them unseeded for the Europa League draw. So that's that's a nasty surprise if any of those two get that club. Yeah, wouldn't it be classic Sevilla if they won again? Oh, God, I hope not. Three in a row. Wow. <laughs> Otherwise, it makes it a bit boring. But um, So we think that Krasnodar will get quite far. What about Zenit in the Champions League? We've seen, Like I mentioned there, the great group record. I mean, let's be honest, the group wasn't the hardest. But I think I don't think anyone really expected them to win five out of six. And they should have won the last game. I think if they hadn't um, rested their players, then probably would have won six out of six. So, David, what, what would you say about Zenit going through? Of course, top of the group, which means they're seeded. It all depends on if their team is fit. You know, if, they, if they've got the whole team there with Hulk... Juba, Garcia, etc. Then um, they'll prove a difficult task for any club because you know they'll have to travel that way to Russia. It'll be cold in the early months of the year as well. It will be a tough game for any team to go to uh, St. Petersburg. But I think that in terms of progression in the cup, they wouldn't get as far as Krasnodar could get in the Europa League. I think they could maybe do this one with a good draw, um, but after that, I think that would be as far as they could get. Yeah, it's, uh, and Token, what would you? call on that yeah I, I agree with david if they get they i, I believe they can get psv or benfica beat psv it, last year in the europa league as well yeah exactly and if they get them i could see them go to the quarterfinal but from there i can't really see them advance they will most likely face one of the one of the strongest teams and with the way senate have been playing this season it's it's difficult to see them go past one of the big sides 
Yeah, I mean, they, they could get Arsenal in the next round, which, although they had a bad group stage, I mean, I think they'd come pretty <laughs> unstuck there. Although, despite what you say, David, I mean, a lot of teams will have to travel, well, whoever they draw will have to go to um, St. Petersburg in the in the winter, but I think Thermals will do the job for them, to be honest. <laughs> it's still a long journey. All the all the uh, European clubs don't want that long journey. No, um, but the problem is that when the first match is played, Synod, the, the Russian league haven't started yet. So yeah. Synod will lack some ma- match practice. And I think the the slight advantages they get for playing the the match in at, in St. Petersburg and it's probably cold and all that is taken away when you think about they'll meet a team who has been playing for weeks and Synod has only played training matches for three months at that point. Most teams have a winter break token, like in Germany, they have a winter break there. Yeah, but it's shorter, I believe. Yeah, true. I think it, they start already in February again. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no league matches the three months that Russia has. It's ridiculously long, isn't it? Yeah. Although, let's be fair, you, you can't really help it. Back to the players. Uh, most surprising player. So, sort of player you thought, oh, he's not going to do much, but actually has really turned on the style. We'll come to you, David. Um, well, I might, I might go back to um, Lutsenko at Moldova, uh, or even Ignatia for Kras or for Kuban. Sorry, no one would say, oh, who's, which Moldovia player is going to have eight goals this season? No one's going to pick out any of them because no one would expect Moldovia to even score eight goals. So for Lutsenko to do that, um, especially with braces against, I think he scored a brace against CSKA. Yeah, he's certainly been very impressive. Even Mukhametshin, who for Rubin over the last couple of years was dreadful, he's been very good playing out on the left and providing assists for Lutsenko. Looking higher up the table, you might say Sadaev at, um, at Terek. You know, he... He went out to Poland for a couple of years, I think, and didn't score a huge amount uh, once he joined Lech Poznan. But he's come back to Terek this season. And he scored, what, five in five games at one point? So, so he's been pretty good for them, I think. Um, Terek and Jim have been quite good as a whole team, but that's not to be so surprised about there. They have some good players in there. Yeah, I mean, Token, who would you pick out as your surprise? I want to After that, I want to come back to something about Terek, which is funny, but also really not funny. But Toki, if you come with your surprise player first, and then I'll put it out to you. I, I almost can't wait for your funny, but but not funny story. But yeah, I have to pick out, uh, as I said earlier, Niasse from from Lokomotiv. Before the season, they tried to send him back to Turkey, and I remember, especially Galatasaray, were close to signing him. And after what I've seen from him in the past season, I thought, okay, he's a, he's a decent striker, but but nothing more than that. And in this season, he has just been on fire, scoring six goals and now eight goals and making six assists and really just carrying the whole team. Even when Lokomotiv weren't playing very well, his goals and assists, I mean, I don't think they'll be in the top without him. And that's surprising for me because I actually expected Skuletic to to finally to step up this season and be the number one striker for, for Lokomotiv. But their new playing style has suited Niasi very well and... If, if they sell him this summer uh, or winter, we have seen rumors about Chelsea and big big foreign sides being interested in him. He will be much more expensive than what they tried to sell him for the, uh, this summer. Yeah, it's, it's funny how the world of football transfers work. Uh, my thing with Terek was Kadyrov and the microphone. Have you heard about this? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's the situation that you would only find in Russian football. I mean, just to explain to the listeners, during the match... Kadyrov, who's also um, the governor of Chechnya and the, the president of Terek Grozny, he has been shouting down the microphone while the play has been going on. And it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And like I said, something you'd only find in Russian football. But Toka, I know you've done quite a bit of um, research and stuff on Kadyrov. I mean, is there any way of sort of stopping or curbing this behaviour? Because let's be honest, it puts a real damper on the Russian game. And it, it's not the first time he has done it either. He has, uh, he has done it before. The last time he shouted at the ref in the microphone. But yeah, he, actually he's not the president of Terek anymore. He's just what they call the honorary president because of FIFA not, of FIFA not allowing football and politics to be mixed. So while he's not officially the president, of course he's still the guy who takes all the decisions because of his um, him being the governor of, of Chechnya. But yeah, yeah, to answer your question, no, I think Kadyrov is, is quite the character and... <laughs> It'll be difficult to 
to get him away from the microphone if he wants to get to the microphone. Here's, here's one of the entertaining parts about the Russian Premier League, I'd say. Yeah, coming back, coming to that story, I read that um, Andrew Villas-Burris blamed Kadyrov on the microphone for getting uh, Yevsev sent off when they lost 4-1. Uh, after the game, he blamed him directly for influencing the referee's decision via the microphone. Can, can I just stop you there, David? Did I did I just hear you say that Andre Villas-Burris blamed somebody that wasn't yes. himself? Uh, that that that's that's really a surprise. I, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm shocked, as you, as you can tell by my voice. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know. Most disappointing team would probably come on to outside of Zenit. I mean, I think we'd all say Zenit are pretty much up there. But let's pick out some mm. other ones because I think uh, most people listening to this who are um, not so familiar with Russian football would know about Zenit and things. But let's pick out another side, David. Let's. Well, I'll say Ruin, but I'll. I'll... We've, we've covered that, so I won't stick too much on it. Um, but I'll actually say Ufa. Um, I thought last year they did relatively well, to, you know, even to stay up after they must have been one of the smallest sides ever to come up to the top division. And they, just, they made some what seemed like good signings over the summer with Sylvester Boone coming in from Denmark and Marvin Puri as well. But And after, especially after their first game against Spartak, where they drew two all in Moscow, I thought it was going to be an all right season, but they've just not been able to keep it consistent and as they're you know they're one of the teams that I sort of tend to follow around um it's just been a bit disappointing for me to see see them not be able to keep it up like that so yeah Ufa, Ufa for me Token what about you yeah I, I want to direct the attention at one of the teams we haven't talked much about so I'd go with Dynamo Moscow of I was, course I was just we, thinking then yeah we all we all know what happened uh, this summer when they sold Valbuena and Zutzak and yeah, basically all the big names that European followers or European football fans would would have a chance to know. With this winter being, it's it's likely that also Kokorin will leave, and I think soon we'll see a completely different Dynamo Moscow with none of the none of the big names left. But still, when when I look at the squad, it's it's actually not that bad. I think they have they have managed to bring in some interesting young players and. Also, they bought uh, Pogretniak this summer as well. And I think they, they should have more than the four victories they have so far. I think that, is, that has been disappointing because they are, they're actually not that bad when you look at, look at the squad player by player. I think it's, um, they're a team for next season uh, with their young players they're bringing through. I think if, as, long as, as long as they can manage to stay up, which they should do safely, um, they might be able to put on a decent challenge if they can sort their financial stuff out. Because they've got players like Morozov and Tashayev who look pretty promising uh, for just 20-year-olds. It's actually good in general to see the league. I think the league are playing more youngsters than ever before, um, which is nice to see. And you know, it seems like Dinamo are pioneering that at the moment. They also have the advantage of not playing in European football next next year, unless of course a miracle happens. But <laughs> are they still in the cup? Yeah, and but but I mean we have seen this season what European football can do to some of the top teams. For example, CSK and Senate and Krasnodar also locomotive here at the end of the season. They have all paid paid for playing a lot of matches, extra matches in, in Europa. And for example, CSK, you could just see how tired the players were at the end of the season after they had played all the way through Champions League qualification. And with, with Dynamo not playing European football next year, I could imagine the top teams going through the same problems again. You're, you're actually right, they, they could be up there. Their players will be fresher than the opponents. Let's uh, come on to CSK. I mean, we, we should have mentioned them more because they are top of the league um, with 37 points. Um, I mean, as everybody's seen, they've had a, a dreadful Champions League campaign. And I don't know if anyone saw their game at Old Trafford, but it, it, it was dreadful. So do you think that they're poor Champions League form and I mean I don't like I said I don't really like to highlight people but Akin Feyev's had, had a bit of a nightmare do you think that's I mean affected their league form at all because we've seen them drop off recently David I think so it must it must have some impact I think they've had a lot of away games in, uh, towards the end of their Champions League group stage um, and that seems to I mean I'd be interested to actually see what their results are after all their away travels uh, I imagine it's probably not a good showing but yeah they've certainly seem to have dropped off since the uh, group stage started. Obviously, they, they started off the league very well. But yeah, I think I think it's obvious that there's definitely some sort of link between the two um, going on this season. Their midfield hasn't performed as well as it could be. I mean, last year we had Eremenko scoring loads and loads of goals and assisting everything. 
but I mean, he can't have more than two or three goals this season. I, I've barely seen his name come up at all. So I think they've lacked in some areas of, well, they think they've lacked in all areas of the pitch this season. But with Zenit also lacking, they've still managed to come out on top so far anyway. Token, a couple of questions about CSKA I'm going to fire at you. First one is, does the fact that CSKA, and well, more to, more about Zenit's drop-off really, does that make the Russian league boring? No, I don't think so. I think it, it's very interesting that the league is more competitive this season. If we just look at the top of the league, we have seven teams. Tarek on the, on the seventh place, only nine points behind CSK, and I think that's definitely a good thing. It's very interesting. It's very close at the moment, both in the top and in the bottom, and that is a very nice change compared to last season when it was very uneven, where Zenit were dominating in the top, and we had a couple of teams in the bottom who simply weren't good enough for the Russian Premier League. And the other thing I was going to say was Dumbia, obviously on loan from Roma at the moment, left CSKA for them in January and has come back pretty much straight away six months later. Do you think they've got a chance of signing him permanently? Actually, I don't think he'll stay. I think after the Champions League elimination, I, I fear they don't have the money to sign him. And that would be a huge blow towards their, their chances of taking the title because their squad is already very thin. And especially among the strikers, they only have... Dombia actually, with uh, Carlos Strandberg is away on loan at Ural and Ahmed Musa is just not a national striker, he is he is more of a winger. Yeah, can we have a, a bit of a, uh, a I mean I'm going to imagine, or if all the listeners just imagine there's a drum roll for a second, because Token, you put out a, an interesting interview video with Dumbia and CSKA and can you reveal the player that Dumbia wants at CSKA with him? Javinho. The, the man that Arsenal fans will know about with the, the hilarious haircut, his uh, teammate at Roma and, of course, the Ivory Coast. Bit of a strange decision, but, you know, Doombeer's allowed his own opinion. But uh, speak, speaking of top players in the division, we haven't mentioned this name once, and it, it's a shame that we haven't, but I'm going to mention it now, is Quincy Promes at Spartak, top goal scorer in the league, on absolute fire. David, I mean, what have you made of him this season? He He's outstanding. I mean... It, it can't be long until someone from Europe takes him. Because this year, I mean, I think the first half of last season, he didn't start too well. But certainly in all of 2015, he's just been outstanding. You know, cracking goals from all areas of the pitch. He's good on the ball. He's got some skill. He will keep running all through the game. He's he's a no-brainer for one of the bigger teams to take a risk on. Especially as not even a forward and he's top scorer, you know. And he's still only, what, 20, 23, I think, or something like that. Without him... Spartak last season would have been nowhere near Europe, or nowhere near. No, they didn't even get Europe. They would, they would have been a lot worse off, and even this year they would be nowhere near where they are without him. Uh, maybe, maybe he's a strong player in a weak league. I don't know, but I, I think he'd be worth a punt certainly for any any big five, any team from Germany, England, Spain. He's he's brilliant. Yeah, Token, would you echo those sentiments about the somebody coming in for him? Yeah, it's very difficult to it's difficult to disagree with what David just said. He is one of the top players in the league, and if I was was say to Dumbia and I could bring in any player to my club, I think uh, Quincy Promus would definitely be on the list. Uh, that's uh, that's certainly high praise indeed. Um, a couple of things I want to come to before we round off. I mean, let's talk about transfers. Uh, do you think that any big names are likely to come into the league at all, David? I don't think so. I think there's not enough money around in the league at the moment for anything big to happen. Yeah, Token, would you sort of, have I'll, you heard anything? I'd be interested in, in following what happens at Spartak because they are likely to, to sell a couple of players and among these, Mausician and their owner, uh, Leonid Fidun, has already said that one of their targets is to bring in a striker and they really need a striker. So it'll be interesting to see what they find. And sort of names leaving? Are we, are we predicting anybody there? I know we mentioned Kokorin earlier. Yeah, Kokorin. I could see Rubus from uh, Terek leave the, the Premier League as well. We have some, we have some players who, whose contract expires after the season. For example, Christopher Sambeth from Dynamo. Maybe finally he can leave the the league and Alexander Butner as well. So I yeah. think there was rumours that um, Mauricio from Terek was going to Schalke. I think it was that I saw. Yes, or was it maybe true. it was by Liverpool? Oh, no, it was, it was yeah, Schalke. That, was that would be one that I think would shock certainly Schalke fans. They, they'd certainly have him as an unknown, I would imagine. But it's not something out of his out of his realm. Him and uh, who's the other Brazilian in their midfield? I forget his name. 
but those, those two keep the keep it going for Tarek. They're very good. What, what's also interesting is to see when Senet announced their new head coach. We all know that Villas Boas will leave the club after the season, and hopefully Senet can get his replacement ready soon. There have already already been the rumors of Carlos Ancelotti. Uh, turning down their offer, so that was never going to happen. <laughs> no, but at least at least they are ambitious. So it'll be interesting to follow what happens there. Rumors well, of uh, Conte as well, the Italian coach. Well, Ruby now linked to new coach as well. I think um, we we were linked with the Belarus head coach. I don't, I can't remember his name, but he's he's the current manager of the Belarus national team, and also Cachero, I think, uh, who used to manage Lokomotiv. Both names have been linked to take over in January. And apparently even Cachero was at the Bordeaux game. I'm not sure if that was true or not. So I'm interested to see what they want to do. Apparently they want a foreign manager. Yeah, it's, um, it's to manage same. their foreign players. Yeah, it's the same with Zenit. Rumours coming out there that they need the to handle the international nature of the squad, whatever that means. Right, let's have a, a bit of a, a predictions time. This will either make you look glorious at the end of the season or it will make you look idiotic so let's go with the title and the champion and the european places first token do you want to place a, a couple of ideas out there i don't think I'll, I'll put my head on the block and say i don't think csk will win the league this season i think that the their squad is too thin and if they lose them beer i don't think they can keep it up and they only have five points down so locomotives they have seven points down to senate so it i still see that's very open and if Dombia leaves the club, I don't think they'll take the title. Okay, so go on. Who's your winner then? Yeah, that's a difficult one. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think Senate will will build a strong a strong spring, and I can see Senate take the league. I don't think Lokomotiv or Spartak are strong enough to to make the to get the results needed to win the league. So I have to go with Senate and hope that Villas Boas will end on a high note with a, a, league ti- a, a league title. CSK will most likely take the second place, so Senate and, and CSK will go to the Champions League again. And then I think it will be Krasnodar and Spartak who takes the, the two Europa League spots in the league. So Lokomotiv and Rostov to drop off? I think so. We still have the, the cup. They have the cup, but I I can't predict that one. <laughs> yeah, Lokomotiv, of course, the holders of the cup. Um... David, what about you predicting that top end? It's tough. I mean, last year's end, it ran away, and then we had the last day. Second place was uh, decided on the last day in the last couple of minutes, I think. Someone, uh, I think CSK got an equaliser to secure second place. I'd love to see it come down to the last day again, because it's it's looking that unpredictable, you know. Looking at it, I don't know. I think I think CSK might be able to hold on, uh, especially if Zenit, because Zenit still have Europe to play and CSK are now out, so they've got something to concentrate on, literally just to concentrate on the league. I think Rostov, I'm going to go out there and say they can keep up and finish top top five, assuming the cup goes to you know, one of the other top teams, then the fifth place will also be Europe's spot, I think. So I, th- I, think, they, I think they'll be able to hang on. Uh, Krasnar will be up there. I think, I think Loco will drop off as well. I think Spartak have got it together compared to last season. Just, uh, so, you both... Sorry, David, just go on. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was just, I was going to try and put it together, but sorry, you can carry, carry on. I was going to say, I mean, the listeners will have heard um, Elia a couple of weeks ago, just uh, hope he doesn't hear that and hear that you've um, <laughs> predicted locomotives to drop off. I'm sure he'll be up in arms. Okay, so now the bottom end, the relegation places, token what, what do you think it'll pretty much sit as it is? I mean, we talked earlier about how it could really tighten up, and we could. You look at Kirilia Savietov, who's who had a decent start, but they've sort of fallen away in recent times. Yeah, I, th- I think Kirilia will be among the teams who are fighting to avoid relegation. As I see it right now, actually, it is the bottom five we have is the five clubs I expect to be down there. I could see Ufa putting together a run to to get out of the, the bottom four in the playoffs, but it's difficult. Also, much depends on whether or not Cuba and Krasnodar manage to keep on to the stars or if they have the fire sale that it looks like at the moment. It, it's difficult to predict. It's very close down there, and much comes down to, to injuries and, and, the, and the form. They, they come back to the spring, and so, yeah, I think Krillia will be among the teams who are fighting to, to avoid relegation. But when that is said, I see the top, the, the teams I see in the Premier League right now, the teams finishing on the on the playoff spots, 14 and, and 13, 
I think they both will have the strength to keep up. Uh, again, Token, I, I hate to say it, but you've sat on the fence. Just just name your teams that are going yeah. down. <laughs> I think Moldovia and uh, Croatia will go down. And then Kuban and Anshu will finish on the playoff. Okay. Okay. I, I won't ask you to predict that one because that is a, a one-off, so I, that that would be harsh. Um, David, what about your, your bottom? I disagree. I think Krilly will be safe. I think they will be able to finish above the bottom four. I think they've been very good this season, uh, even if they are down in 12th. I think they'll be fine, personally. They've been playing very well. You know, They've had some good wins against CSK, away at CSK and away at Zenit. I think they'll be fine. I think Angie will be relegated in the bottom two with Moldovia. Angie been, I mean, when when Ruben played them the other week, they were absolutely dreadful. And if they can have one of those every one, like one every two or three games, then they're going to carry on losing often. Kuban, I think, will pick it up. I think Amkar will drop down towards there as well. So the bottom four, I'm not sure. I think uh, Mordovia and Angie will be my, my bottom two. Yeah, because there's only um, how many points is that? Sixth. Six points between ninth and uh, bottom there in 16th. So it's certainly going to be uh, a tight end to the season. I'm guessing no one's predicting bottom club Mordovia to stay up. They might be able to get into the uh, the playoffs, but it's not looking promising. You know, they they're very very one-dimensional as a as a team. They don't they don't have much going for them on the pitch. I mean, Yannick Jello is arguably one of their better players, and he's just too inconsistent to to keep their form up. Well, I'm glad that that you don't sit on the fence like uh, like our editor <laughs> sat in Den- sitting in Denmark on his fence. <laughs> yeah, but then he'll make him look better at the end of the season as well. Mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think that about brings the end of this uh, third edition of the Russian Football News podcast. Uh, I would once again like to thank our uh, our guest, our boss here, Toko Thilaid, and uh, we've got David Sasson. Um, just a quick thing we do this on each podcast uh, David do you want to sort of put your Twitter handle out there so we can have people follow you oh uh, I'm at Rubingzan UK uh, on Twitter okay um, lovely simple as that okay and Toka will p- I mean well, I know I've had it up before but we'll put it again yeah at Toka Thelade and that is uh, Toka T-O-K-E T-H-E-I-L-A-D-E Okay, perfect. And uh, I am Thomas underscore Giles underscore UK, if anyone is interested. And um, the the Twitter for the website is at Russ Football News. That's R-U-S Football News. And of course, the website is RussianFootballNews.com. So I hope you've enjoyed the podcast this week. Hope we've given you a nice insight into the mid-season review. And I'm sure the players will have a nice break uh, around the world, anywhere but Turkey, it seems. So... Um, We'll see you next time. Thank you again to David and Token, and uh, see you next time. Идет футбольный матч, летит над полем мяч. Идет футбольный матч, летит над полем мяч.